Thank you for joining Resurrection Lutheran Church this Sunday morning, giving praise with us for God's blessings of music, prayer, and scripture. I, Pastor Karen Perkins, will be sharing a message of grace, forgiveness, and hope. All of the worship leaders welcome you. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose teaching is life, whose presence is sure, and whose love is endless. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, increase in us your gift of faith, that forsaking what lies behind and reaching out to what lies ahead, we may follow the way of your commandments and receive the crown of everlasting joy. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us now is the time for our children's message. Today we're going to talk about the impossible. Mark chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Now, earlier in this gospel, and as is on the front of our bulletins today, Jesus tells his disciples it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter into heaven. Now I think if I were having that conversation with Jesus and I saw that imagery, I would giggle because that is impossible. It is absolutely, it, a needle is so small and I was gonna bring one with me and I forgot because I also didn't want to lose it and poke myself because they're so small and a camel is so large. I have only ever seen one in person at a zoo and they're huge. But Jesus said this to make a point that it really is impossible for us, but it is not impossible for God. There are many impossible things for us. Getting rid of hunger entirely in the whole world, that's impossible for us. Always sharing our stuff and not being selfish, that's impossible for us. Following rules without getting upset all the time, that is impossible for us. We know these things are impossible for us to do alone. In this story, Jesus is telling us that it is not impossible if we do it with God. Now, do we think Jesus meant that the rich man could never get into heaven? I don't think so. Because as we heard, with man it is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. Our God is the God of impossible. With his help, we fight world hunger. With God's help, we are less selfish and share easier. With his help, we follow rules without getting upset. God helps us with the impossible every day if we ask him, if we turn to him. Let us pray. Dear God, we are thankful that you are the God of the impossible. Without you, it would be impossible for any of us to get to heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
for our reformation for our reformation moment i wanted to talk about how um, the church continues to be reformed even in this time um, every October, Lutherans worldwide remember the Reformation of the Church. Reformation indicates a change to improve or to enhance function. That's my definition. Applied to the body of the Church where the members are active hands and feet of Christ in the world suggests that we too are able and should be changed for the better. We are the ELCA. A motto of the ELCA is God's work, our hands. In John 13, we read how Christ washed the feet of each disciple, teaching us to serve one another. That's our calling. We're to serve others as Christ did and teaches us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Life is messy and the answers to societal problems are not clear. But if we start with the tenet of we are all God's children and worthy of love, then we can work towards solutions on how to care for one another. The ELCA actively seeks to address contemporary world social issues in a biblically sound way, in a Christ-like manner. Social statements are intentional journeys through the Bible, encouraging church-wide study of the Bible and having meaningful conversations and prayerful discernment, covering topics that indeed challenge us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Some of our social statements tackled by the ELCA over the years have been on abortion, caring for creation, the death penalty, education, genetics. I encourage you to look these up and read them more in depth um, and, and engage in conversation. They can be find on, found on ELCA.org under Faith and Society. The Holy Gospel from Mark, the 10th chapter. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go and sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked, and he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded, and they said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. 
Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. This is the gospel of our Lord. Mercy, grace, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A friend of mine and her siblings used to tease each other in their childhood with this saying, you're out of the will. It was generally good-natured and used, say, if a sibling broke a lamp or failed a class in high school. That's it, someone would say. You're out of the will. Years later, my friend's parents died and no one was left out of the will. The parents, impacted by the Great Depression, had saved meticulously and there was a generous nest egg for all four adult children. However, property was involved, so while things were split in a way that had seemed even to the parents, some of the children felt that their share of the inheritance wasn't fair or that someone had gotten a better portion. Everyone was in the will. Everyone received a generous amount, but not everyone was happy. Those emotions led to conflict in my friend's family. What must I do to inherit eternal life, asks the rich man in today's gospel reading from Mark as he kneels before Jesus. He wants to know what more he can do to receive an inheritance. He's worked hard. He has kept all the commandments. He probably never broke a lamp or failed high school geometry or talked back to his parents. He has been careful not to mess up. He's done everything right. He's not going to be out of the will. He's arranged his life to get all the inheritance he can get. Yet Jesus issues the rich man a challenge. Sell your possessions, give the money to the poor, and then come and follow me. The man, worried that after doing everything right, he's still going to be out of the will, walks away shocked and grieving. What must he do? What must any of us do? What are we supposed to do when we hear a command like this from Jesus? The thing about inheritance is that it is generally a pure gift, not something earned by good behavior. Can you really do anything to get an inheritance? By definition, it is a gift, a decision made by someone else. An inheritance is received, unearned, unmerited. Asking what I can do to earn an inheritance feels like if my five-year-old asked, what must I do to get a Christmas gift this year? Or what must I do to get fed? Or even what must I do 
to get you to love me? The answer, of course, is nothing. When it comes to God's inheritance, there's nothing you can do to earn it or to merit it. The only thing that must happen is that someone must die. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, the kingdom of God is our inheritance. And that is the grace of God, and that is the good news. And I could end this sermon right here. But we still have Jesus' uncomfortable demands. Which one is harder? Sell all our possessions and give the money to the poor? Or to follow him? What is Jesus really demanding of us? We've recently entered a time that financial analysts are calling the Great Wealth Transfer. Over the next 25 years, members of the baby boomer generation will pass along more than $68 trillion to heirs and charities. It's the largest intergenerational transfer of wealth in human history. Researchers say that the wealth transfer will exacerbate existing inequalities. Already, the top 1% of households in the United States receive 35% of all inherited wealth. According to the Federal Reserve, in 2019, the median household wealth, which is measured as the difference between gross assets and liabilities, the median household wealth for white families was about 188,000. For black families, the median was 24,000, and for Hispanic families, it was 36,000. God's inheritance is equal, but it is the only one of its kind. The rich young man in Mark's gospel story kneels before Jesus as a sign of humility and respect. Mark's gospel includes several accounts of people kneeling before Jesus, asking or begging for something. In every other instance, they are asking for healing. And Jesus complies. What if we saw this story through the lens of healing? Is the rich young man in need of healing too? Does he need healing from his deep-seated affluenza or the sickness of accumulation? Do we? My oldest two children and I were talking about wealth the other day, and somehow it came up that there are people who have enough wealth that they don't have to go to work every day. Oh, like Jeff Bezos, my oldest son said. Yes, I said, maybe he has too much money. Wait, can you have too much money? Asked my younger son. What do you think? I asked. Well, said my older son, I think you'd eventually run out of places to put it. Many have read this story of the rich young man in Mark's gospel and said to themselves, phew, that doesn't apply to me because I'm not rich. But who is rich? Who is not? If you had a bed to sleep in last night and breakfast this morning, you can count yourself wealthier than many. The problem with affluence isn't about the numbers on our tax returns. It's about the orientation of our hearts and souls. Where do we need healing 
in our relationship with money? Where do we need healing in our relationship to possessions and the endless race of acquisition? How might we need healing from societal expectations around money? Do we need healing from guilt or shame around money? Attitudes around money are formed early in life. It's good to evaluate the lessons we learned about money and generosity and giving as children. And if we don't like them, we can rewrite the script. Where do you need healing when it comes to money? In my life, I found healing in my relationship with money after growing up poor and spending much of my young adulthood mired in credit card and student loan debt. I'm still learning how to see abundance instead of scarcity, and I'm discovering or rediscovering the joy of giving, including planned giving for ministries that I care about. And I'm learning how to talk to my children about money. For some, healing around money might mean letting go of guilt or shame around reduced giving when your income has been impacted by COVID. For others, healing around money might mean giving more away, maybe a lot more. For still others, healing around money might mean letting go of possessions that have become a burden. Healing around money might mean finally having that financial conversation that you've been putting off. It might mean accepting financial help. It might mean doing estate planning. It might mean, might mean forgiving your parents for what they did or did not teach you about money. It might be forgiving yourself. It might be really trusting in God's abundant generosity. It might mean honoring traditional or ancestral wisdom about generosity. It might mean celebrating the ways you are already generous, big and small, even as we keep our eyes open for more ways. The ELCA Generosity Project, an intergenerational workshop that we've done here in Alaska, suggests trying a tithe of things around your home. For example, you could pledge to give away 10% of your clothes, shoes, books, toys, or canned goods, or something else. This is a great activity to involve children and then have a conversation about why we give and how it matters and the way it makes us feel. Generosity is one of the ways that we follow Jesus and there are so many ways to do it. In Haiti, there is a saying, if you get a piece of cake and eat the whole thing, you will feel empty. If you get a piece of cake and share half of it, you will feel both full and fulfilled. There are many benefits of being generous, but the heart of the matter is that it's part of our identity as followers of Christ. God is the first and most generous giver. Our generous God welcomes and loves us as we are. We have a goodly inheritance. We're in the will, and God brings healing to all parts of our messy lives. That is the good news. The healing is for you. The healing is for me. 
The healing is for the sake of ourselves, and that healing is for the sake of our neighbor. To paraphrase Martin Luther, God does not need your acts of financial and material generosity, but your neighbor surely does. In the end, the story of the rich man in Mark's gospel is untamable, says Matt Skinner, a New Testament professor at Luther Seminary. There isn't an easy answer. There's no tidy ending for this Bible story or for this sermon. This uncomfortable story makes uncomfortable demands. Skinner says the story of the rich man needs to be experienced rather than explained. So how do you experience this story today? Where do you need healing in your relationship with money or possessions? How can you thoroughly receive the abundance of God's love and forgiveness? How can you more generously share God's love and mercy? The answers aren't for me to say. The answers are found as together we do as Jesus asks the rich man. Follow me. Amen. Made children and heirs of God's promise, we pray for the church, the world, and all in need. Uniting God, you call forth different gifts in those who follow you. Encourage us to welcome the diverse benefits and blessings of the whole church in teaching, preaching, prophecy, healing, and more. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Nurturing God, you bring forth crops from the soil and bounty from the trees. Increase the produce of the land and bless all who toil in fields and orchards. Provide for good working conditions and keep them safe. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Empowering God, you offer compassion for those who are overlooked or forgotten. Open the hearts of local, national, and world leaders to show such compassion and love for their neighbors. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Sheltering God, in Jesus you traveled among us without a place to lay your head. Provide safe places to sleep and rest for those who have no place to live. Sustain ministries that offer food, clothing, and peace of mind, including the Resurrection Lutheran Food Pantry and the new Juno Eats program on Juno Live. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Renewing God, you bring life out of death. Help us part with those things that are no longer beneficial to us and open our hearts to see where new life is budding in this congregation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Discipling God, you call leaders to service. Guide the work of Bishop Elizabeth Eaton, Alaska Synod Bishop Shelley Wickstrom, Bishop Terry Brandt of our Sister Synod, the Alaska Southeast Cluster, Pastor Karen Perkins, and Thornton Memorial Lutheran Church, Wales, that they continue to be formed for the sake of the gospel 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Eternal God, we thank you for the lives of those who have died. Make us confident in your promise of salvation and support us in our own journey of faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Receive these prayers, O God, and those in our hearts known only to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. This is the part of our service where we lift up our gifts to God. We offer ourselves, our time, and our possessions. Members, of course, are encouraged to give our regular tithes and offerings through an assigned number, and we have regular vehicles for doing that. You're invited to go to our website and use PayPal or one of the other donate buttons that we have on the website. You can make a special offering to the RLC on KINY ministry, which helps keep this on the air, or to the RLC food pantry, or to Juno Live, which helps with community outreach. You're also more than welcome to come by in person or make a food donation. We Encourage people also to be involved with the community and appreciate volunteers. All of these things are gathered together in song and prayer. God of abundance, you cause streams to break forth in the desert and manna to rain from the heavens. Accept these gifts you have first given us. Unite them with the offering of our lives to nourish the world you love so dearly. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us pronounce together. The mission of Resurrection Lutheran Church is to promote spiritual growth in Christ and service to all people. People of God, you are Christ's body, bringing new life to a suffering world. The Holy Trinity, one God, bless you now and forever. Amen. This has been an abridged worship service of Resurrection Lutheran Church. You are welcome to join us for worship in person on Sunday mornings at 930. We are located at 740 West 10th Street in downtown Juneau. Our phone number is 586-2380. More information about our location, parking lot, Current COVID policy and other contact information is available on our website at rlcjuno.org. The website is also the best way to learn about what events are happening with the community outreach ministry, Juno Live. With a vital food pantry, bell choir, quilting group, Bible study, and others, there may be a ministry here just for you. Come and see.